put it on a shirt, turn it to a show Just to show this ain't a joke, I'm never gonna choke When I'm tying up the rope, so here we fucking go It's time to get real gas, it's finally here at last It's the doom and gloom podcast, it's finally here at last It's the doom and gloom podcast, it's finally here at last Doom and gloom podcast, it's finally here at last The doom and gloom podcast Well, hello there How you doing? I'm alright, how are you today? Yeah, not bad. Bit of a bit of a rush morning, but I'm good, man. I'm just sat down with a coffee and think I'm back ready to do this. Lovely. I'm the same. Just got a nice uh, fresh coffee on the go. So I think it's my third one of the morning so far. It's uh, it's been one of them weeks or something. Oh god. I suppose yeah, you just did you move you you moved? Uh I'm in the process of moving. Um uh, I'm, I live and I'm from Birmingham, um, and we're moving to Worcester. Um so yeah, it's just a case of going between the two and and uh, getting everything sorted. So yeah, it's been a bit of a mad couple, like ten days or something, and still got a bit to do. Nice. Well, thank you for uh, volunteering and agreeing to come on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I, I do really appreciate it. That's right. I think, like I said before, it's just nice to chat to like different people and listen to their stories and kind of their views on the world and stuff. So, uh, I'm not, I think as I've got older, I'm not really much of a general people person. Um, I think that I kind of find people that like are, are good people, and I can have like five or six people that I chat to and and have in my life. And it for me, it's very much like quality over quantity. Whereas when I was younger, it was, it's very, um, it was very like, how many people can I have around me? Do you know what I mean? And I think as I've got older, I just kind of wheedled out and like people that I just don't want to be around. I don't, you know, I don't want to associate with and stuff. And I think that's something you do tend to learn as you get older and, Obviously, with anxiety and and things like that, it it, it, it can. I think it, you come to a point where you do realise that it's you got to do what's right for you. Do you know what I mean? Mm, I think the biggest thing that I've realised recently is that. Um, I mean, I know people say it, but you don't. I, I've never really like paid that much attention. But genuinely, like family is everything. And before, I was like super focused on work and trying to achieve something and now i'm like do you know what i've got enough money like to survive week like month to month whatever it's all like family like i don't need to do any extra like i'm just happy surrounding myself with friends and, and family and not caring about stresses of work anymore yeah man absolutely i get it um i'll go into a little bit um i'll go into my later on i think um but 100% do get, yeah, you know, um, my, my missus, um, who has been a massive support to me, says you can always make more money, but you'll never get back time. And I think that is so poignant, especially as you get older. So I'm definitely trying to have that mantra about me, whereas, you know, the, the important thing is time because you're never going to get every, you're never going to get the time back, never. You always make more money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, do you want to kind of introduce yourself and tell me a bit about a bit about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my name's Dan. I'm the guy behind uh, Highwood Flash on Instagram. Um, I'm from Birmingham, and I'm um, a full time single parent to my son, my three year old son Caleb. Um, and yeah, man, that, that's uh, 
it's a little bit, it's a little introduction to to who I am, really. What um, what sort of like jobs have you had before being a full time parent? Right. So, <laughs> I'm, I when I was younger I'm 32 now um although my my missus does tell everybody that I'm 45 and the sad thing is is that people believe her um (laughs) um, but uh by trade and for the last sort of 10 years I've been in the construction industry um I worked my way and uh to uh an assistant yeah for commercial builds and things like that um so I started on the tools in the trenches, retrained when I was 21. Um worked my way up and now I well, I did co-run um a big commercial building sites, you know, student accommodations, big four hundred bed builds and stuff like that. So it's uh yeah, so that's my background. That's what I did do for work. Nice. I'm guessing it's something you enjoyed and it's only kind of become a full-time parent that made you stop doing that and focus on doing more sort of art and flash or so what happened is um while I was working I contracted um a very rare illness um who what most people probably won't have heard of in the, until sort of the last three months it's called pyoderma gangrenosum not anything to do with gangrene it has got that in the name but yeah. It's a common misconception. Uh, and I don't know how squeamish people are, so I'll try and keep it brief. But basically, it, it's a blood-borne disease, and it starts, finds it, and then it just eats through everything. Um, and it took half of my left leg. Um, so it was like a living X-ray into the inner workings of my body. Uh, I've been, I've had this for three years now. I haven't been able to work for two of them um, nice. due to, uh, yeah, a while and had to, uh, because the physio was taking too long and I, you know, it's it's been a massive years contesting with that because it's um it's a very rapid thing. It doesn't, it doesn't come on slowly. It's like within 12 weeks, there's half your leg missing. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's a really aggressive disorder. Jesus. Yes. I suppose you had all that going through and then it was locked down and, and everything. So. Yeah. So, um, I think it was about, I think it was about 18 months after I contracted the, the disease, obviously I'd stopped working. My son, my son was six months old when I, when I got the disease, um, and I, I carried on, you know, doing what I needed to do and, you know, went to work and put food on the table and things like that, even though, my, you know, all my other specialists and stuff was telling me to slow down and all that kind of thing. Um, because due to infect, it's really prone to an infection called cellulitis, um, which has nearly killed me three times, um, which kind of puts things in perspective for me a little bit. Um, what with having my son. Um, and then 18 months after I contracted the the disease, I got divorced from uh, my son's mum. And yeah, and then I, I kind of had nowhere to live and stuff. I had no income and things like that. So um, I moved moved back home with, with my mum. 
and then my son came and lived with me nine months ago uh, full time. So it's just me and him, um, usually day to day. Um, I think obviously once we move, uh, it'll be me, my partner and and my son in the house. So hopefully we've got a bit more stability, get a bit more routine and that's a, yeah, a starting to look up now. Jesus. Yeah, that sounds a, a crazy, horrific couple of, well, I guess years, isn't it? Like you're going through everything and then lockdown happens and then you split with your partner and that's, yeah, it sounds horrible. Yeah, it was, um, it, it was definitely the physical, I think the physical part of it is hard enough because it's a lot of pain um, and you're on a lot of different medications. You know, I think I was at one point I was taking 20, 25 tablets a day. Yeah. Um, including like very strong painkillers and morphine and things like that. But the the flip side of the coin is what it does to your mental health. Um, and that's maybe not something that's so apparent, especially with mental health. It is, mental health problems is a, a big thing and it doesn't get spoke about enough and it affects, it can affect anybody. I think still a little bit of a stigma around mental health within men um yeah is... i've noticed that i don't know why it's, it's so weird isn't it it's like they want men to be strong and emotional at the same time and you're like well we can but like it's, it's just it's still a weird like play field isn't it? like i don't know yes yeah, it's, it's, it's super awkward trying to be emotionally available and strong that everyone wants as well oh absolutely and i think that again the kind of company that you keep and the people that you associate yourself with. If you're um, a guy that's in touch or, you know, whoever, if you're a person who's in touch with your being able to discuss your feelings, your emotions, your mental health and things like that, you kind of want people around you that are, are receptive to that. And it doesn't kind of, like my for example my dad's generation and things like that you know they you know men are men type thing and it's it that's really toxic and you know all that toxic masculinity and stuff and so it, it, it can be uh it can be a difficult thing um i try and i've always been if you obviously we're doing this over um via audio for anybody that's listening we're not doing this on a video chat so me and me and him can't see each other um but I'm to look at me. I'm like I'm sitting. Um, to look, people get the wrong impression of me because of how I look. But I'm a, especially since I've been a, become a dad. I'm I'm a teddy bear. Honestly, I'm I'm soft. I'm, I'm really quite soft. Um, and uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm quite a sensitive bloke, really. Um, so I'm trying to trying to instill that into my son as well to be you know it's okay to to kind of be open with your feelings and stuff he understands a little bit and I've always been really you know I've tried always to really be like approachable and sensitive and stuff he's he's nearly four bless him he's still he's still young but he's um he's um oh what's it called now um he's non-verbal to a degree um he's in speech therapy so he doesn't really talk, but me and him have a level of communication, whereas we understand each other because we spend all our time together. Mm-hmm. Um, 
hard work, um, but he does understand a little bit enough to know, you know, you, you can be, you can express your emotions and it's a safe, I'm a safe person to do that with. Do you know what I mean? And that's okay. And you haven't got to pretend that you're all right when you're not. And I think that's something I'm going to encourage him in him as, as he grows up and gets older. Mm, definitely. I think like you're saying the whole, like the, the mix of where you're like, uh, what do you say? Like a big guy and everybody emotional. Like, like that's exactly like my stepdad was. And that's always really nice. But like, there's somebody that looks really fucking hard and they're an absolute teddy bear. Like that gives you that nice like perspective about life. Yeah, absolutely. And it does just go to show that, you know, you don't judge a book by its cover um, and that you never know, really know what's going on with somebody. So you should try and show kindness to everybody. Do you know what I mean? And, and try and pay it forward a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Or even if you don't quite understand, just try and think about it. That's something I've started to do quite a lot recently is like just think more about situations and like why are people doing things they're doing and feel like they are rather than just just straight away um stereotyping people or just taking a side and being like no they're doing this because they're being a dick or whatever just trying to like weigh up the whole situation yeah absolutely yeah um there are two types of in my in my honest opinion there are two types of people in this world and there's people that are dickheads and they were just born that they'll be through it the entire life and then there's people that can be dickheads now we can all be dickheads at times you know we're, we're, we're just human and all be you know like yeah we can all be a little bit negative sometimes yeah we can all be a bit standoffish at sometimes but it's about not letting that be who you are do you get what I'm saying like it's you know, there's those two types and you just, you, you're human at the end of the day and you will experience the same range of emotions and feelings as anybody else. But don't let that one negative way of feeling be who you are. Mm-mm. No, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, yeah, those are, that's the only way that I see the world. It's not for everybody, and I'm sure everybody's entitled to their own opinion and their own beliefs and things like that, but that's my personal opinion. There's people that can be dickheads and there's people that are dickheads, and that's just the two people that I think I can see in the world. <laughs> how are you finding it, um, uh, like, I don't want to, I don't know how to word it, like ra- raising your son? Because, like, the way I see it, like, when I have a kid, it's going to be the biggest challenge of my life to try and... Um, <laughs> teach them everything that I think is correct in the world, try and not teach them my bad habits. Um, and then like, I don't know, like everything that I've seen that was wrong, try and correct. So mm. yeah, I think that's going to be the ultimate thing in life, isn't it? Trying to figure out how to, well, yeah, raise a human. <laughs> Before your child is born, you can read as many books as you want, right? Genuinely. And I have read books. Um, I did the typical thing and I was just like, right, well, I'll sit down and I'll read a couple of pages of this a night and whatever else after work. And, and I read a couple of books and I've read a few online little journals and things like that. There is not a book on this planet that will give you the right answers to raise your child. There isn't one. It doesn't exist. Um, and it is very much learning on the job type deal. Um, and you just, he teaches me things, you know, 
I'm learning a lot off him. Um, as daft as that sounds, it might sound daft to a lot of people that maybe haven't got children. Um, but you you do learn things off your kids and you learn as you go and you just got to move at their pace. There's no good asking them to run if they can't walk. Um, and it's just about being the best you can be. Um, it's not always easy by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm not claiming to be a perfect parent because there's not one that exists. No, I don't. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I, I was, I was raised by my mum. Me and my brother we were raised by my mum. And um, we didn't really have our dad around when we were kids. Um, and when the situation presented itself that I was going to be um, Caleb's, uh, like main care provider. It's something that I think a lot of people have said to me, it's really common and it's so not okay that this is the situation that it's usually the mum that steps up and has the kids after a relationship breaks down and it's the dad that kind of takes a step back or you know becomes a weekend dad or doesn't see his kids at all. So when I kind of stepped up for Caleb, um, I had people that knew me really well, like, oh, fair play to you for sticking, you know, for doing this and sticking by your son and things like that. And I'm like, well, what else did you expect me to do? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I just, it doesn't make sense in my head how, since becoming a dad myself, it doesn't make sense in my head that people can walk away from their children. Like, yeah that's something i found really weird recently like there's been a couple of situations that i've heard about and i'm like i don't even have a kid but like how did how do you get to that point in your life where you do something like that to yeah to your children it's so weird to think about yeah absolutely and i had that kind of mentality before i had my son um and because of my dad not being around when we were kids and it's kind of I always said that I would, if I have kids, like they'll never be without their dad, no matter what. Like, there's no way that I'm not going to be there for my children. And I've never been away from him um, for longer than two weeks since he's been born. Um, and those two weeks were something that was out of my control. And those were the hardest two weeks of my life. And I've been through some horrible horrible times in my life but genuinely those are the worst two weeks of my life when I couldn't see him that was hard yeah the uh it's just come to my mind as well there's a comic that I really like like a comedian um Tom Segura and his joke about like parenthood is like you it's so easy being a dad you've got one job just don't abandon your kid literally just be there and that's it that's the only (laughs) job you have to do as a dad and I was like that's kind of true isn't it like Thinking about like, do you know what? It's it is funny that that joke itself is so funny. Um, but on the, it's like a double-edged sword. It's kind of like afterwards you've heard the joke. It's initially funny, but then after you've heard the joke, you're kind of like, really? That that's he's that's the truth. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? like yeah. that's actually the the harsh reality of of most situations. I'd say nine in ten situations is 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 genuinely like that. Um, but yeah, that it's a it's pretty spot on observation and a bit of an observational comedy. 
it's funny, but it's sad at the same time. It is, yeah. I, I, that's the thing. You laugh at it and you're like, oh shit, that is really, that's fucking deep. That's horrible. Like, it's so true as well. Like, you just have to fucking be there as it, basically. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I wasn't sure if we were we were able to swear on this podcast and I, I've, I've never had to curb my language through working through building sites and things like that. I've always been quite open with language and 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 I've never really had to watch my language, but as Caleb's kind of getting more um, more regularity with his speech and saying new things, uh, I've, I've tried to have to rein it in a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm really trying for the first time in my life not to swear and things <laughs> like that. Um, but he's 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 a funny little lad, man. He, he picks up a few phrases every now and again. And his re- most recent one is "oh bugger," uh, but he uses it in co- he uses it in context, which is the most amazing thing. So if this little three year old lad drops something, or somebody drops something, and go, "oh bugger," <laughs> so, like honestly, having like kids do the funniest things, like genuinely though. Um, yeah, he's a he's a funny little lad. He's got a real good personality about him. I don't know where he gets it from, but. He's uh he's got a really good personality about it. I suppose that is that's it, isn't it? You're seeing this little human grow and then like seeing what their personality is, and I guess it's really fun and funny when he's doing stuff like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's um he's it, it, as I said, it can be difficult with the with the language barrier, the communication side of things. Um, but he's very kinetic in the sense that because he can't verbally communicate, he's very kinetic with his hands, he's very good at um practical tasks um and he's got an obsession with cars and keys so over the last sort of six months he's accumulated maybe 12 or 13 sets of keys like genuine keys um and each key ring has about four or five keys on them um i had to order uh, the replica of my mum's car key so he stopped asking her for hers. Um, and typical dad thing, I bought two in case he lost one. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so he, he can open, a, unlock a car. He can put the key in the ignition. He can turn the, 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 turn the car on, start the car up, and then he goes and gets in his seat. And he's, with that kind of kinetic task, he's, he's so advanced and he's, he's really clever in that sense. Um, it's just he's a little bit behind in his speech. So but it's something we're working on. It's something he's getting help for. And hopefully we can we can remedy it over these, you know, next sort of six months or something. Yeah, I guess it's just another one of life's like challenges, isn't it? Yeah, all, like, like all people, all kids are different as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, and you've just got to roll with the punches and it's it, it's just one of them you learn as you go and I, I know I've said it already I feel like I'm repeating myself I've not really I've not really done anything like this before so it's it's a little bit strange to get on track what are your hobbies because obviously you now do the the flash thing is that something you've always really liked is like the tattoo style art or is it something you just kind of over the last few years developed a love for so I got my first tattoo at 19. Now, anybody under the age of 21 or anybody who get in their first tattoo will tell you that their first tattoo is rubbish. The majority of people, their first tattoo is rubbish. Um, but I went to 
I started getting tattooed by a guy called Rob Coley at Park Street Tattoo in Birmingham. Big shout out to him and the lads uh, who work there. Um, and he's an amazing, all of all the artists there are amazing at what they do. Um, traditional sleeve um, that I'm sort of like maybe two thirds of the way through. Um, and I've just always loved that really bold, traditional style of tattooing like that that style will never go out of style it's something that's always going to be relevant it's always something that's going to look good and people recognize when something's done really well um so it's something i've always been interested in obviously i've got it on my skin so it's something that is with me forever um the whole flash painting side of things i've i've been an artist um since I could hold a pen, pretty much. I know everybody says that, like, oh, well, I used to draw at school. And it's just like, but literally, it's something that, big big shout out to my mum, like, like, Karen, if you're listening, this this is a, this is a big testament to you. Um, my mum's always encouraged me with art uh, and being creative in lots of different ways. Um, and without her, I probably wouldn't have got to, this stage of uh, uh, this level of of creativeness so big love to my mom um so uh I, it's something i wanted to do and i kind of looked at ways of doing it and you can watch youtube videos and things like that but it's it's just there's there's something there that you kind of have to really speak to somebody for me anyway it was it was speaking to uh, one of my friends who is a very well-established tattoo artist in Birmingham called Lewis Day. What was that Lewis Day? Lewis Davis. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lewis Davis, he tattoos out of Gung Ho Tattoo Parlour in Birmingham. Um, and he's a very good friend of mine. Uh, and he kind of said, look, I'll teach you, but it's going to be like, it's going to be brutal honesty as if it's going to be how I learned how to paint flash and be an apprentice and things like that. You've got to pay your dues and don't expect me to tell you something's good when it's not. And I was like, let's do it. And each night, oh, the first painting I did, I got all the materials and stuff. The first painting I did, I will never let anybody see it. Right. It is honestly awful. It was such a poor effort. And, but he told me as much and he was very honest about it. And all I did was practice, practice, practice. Every night after my son went to bed, stayed up for four, five, six hours and painted and painted and painted and directly happy with. And he was just like, right, you've got to a stage now where you've got to keep drawing, keep drawing and keep painting, get your get your, your shapes and your, you know, look at loads of traditional work, like proper traditional work, not these new school, not neo-trad or anything like that. Look at your proper traditional shapes, you know, Sailor Jerry, things like that. Um, and then go from there and just keep working on that. He says, there's nothing else I can tell you apart from to do that. So that's what I did for, I think it was about 10 or 12 weeks. Um, and then I started the page and thought, well, maybe somebody might like what I'm doing. And then we've just gone from there. So it's still in its infant stages, but it's, uh, it's going well and it'll escape for me at the end of the day. Don't get me wrong, there's some days where I don't feel like doing it, but there's um, it's a good little escape and I'm enjoying it at the moment. That's it. It's always nice to see people doing things that they're enjoying. So is it is, is it you're working towards becoming a tattoo artist or are you just happy doing sort of the flash art at the moment? 
I mean, I would absolutely love to be a tattoo artist. Um, it's something that, you know, people talk about dream jobs and things like that. I don't like that expression. There's, um, there's an artist that a lot of people will know called Crime One. Yeah. Um, on Instagram, uh, big up to Crime One. It does amazing work and, and really, I've seen that a lot of his stuff's been taken down and reported from the Instagram police recently. And the, the, you know, some of it a little bit, some of his work obviously is going to be a little bit much for some people and they might take offense, but you're going to get that with anything. Um, he puts out really good work and he, and, you know, go support him, man, because he's, he does good stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I, I love his stuff. I think um, I've signed up his newsletter as well. Cause like you said, his stuff just keeps getting taken down. And if his page goes, then you want somewhere to keep track. But some of the stuff he does put out, I'm like, yeah, someone's going to report that. That's that's a bit that's shitty. Yeah. Like, you, you, should, you should just be able to put it up. Like If it's not super offensive and it's kind of on the nose, then it should be fine. Like, it's, it's unfortunate. It's just a very... It's a very black and white way of looking at society and things like that. He's, he's got a really big comment on society and it's very brutal, stripped back and honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, a lot honesty of, is definitely there. Yeah, and so most people will live in ignorance and not want to address that honesty, that level of honesty, that brutal truth. Um, and But, you know, I'm sure he doesn't make it for those people. I'm sure he makes it for himself and for people that do associate with it and like it um and as i said he does good work people like by all means go and support him does really good stuff um so yeah tattoo uh, tattoo artist i'd love to be a tattoo artist but I, I think i just don't think it's a viable career choice for me um at this time at this point in time it's um it's i think it's more of a and anything uh, the thing that I find most difficult I think about painting at the moment is that I can't get tattooed and I haven't been able to get tattooed for the last three years because of the nature of my condition um, because it's bloodborne if you open a if you open a wound if you create a wound within the skin it can obviously spread and then the wound then becomes uh, uh, prone to that disease um, so I find it, there's the times where I draw something up or I paint something. I'm like, oh man, I really like that. I'd get that tattooed and I can't. So that's um, sometimes, don't get me wrong. I think 80% of the time I love painting. I love what I do. And I think sometimes it's just like that 20% or something. that I'm just a little bit like, uh, bit gutted that I can't, uh, can't get that tattooed on me. Mm. Or is, something. That a, is that like a forever thing? Because I obviously don't know anything about the disease. Is it something that you can kind of get better from and you will be able to get tattooed at some point? Or is it just not? So I'm currently in um, recovery. Um, there is still a wound on my leg that I have to dress every other day myself. And it has been like that for the last three years. Um, and once that wound is healed... You have to give it a little bit of time, of course, but you it, it's most prominent in your legs, um, but it can appear anywhere on the body. So I'm going to give it a bit of time after I'm fully recovered and in remission, um, and then it'll just be tattoos from the waist up, um, nothing below the waist. 
um, just because I don't want to tempt fate. It actually came out. There was a story in the news uh, a few weeks ago, and because it's such a rare disease, it's only one in every 100,000 in the UK have got it. Um, it is super rare, and because it's super rare, there's no direct treatment or cure. It's just finding what your body responds to. Um, and there's a girl who had it. I think she might have been from Liverpool. Don't quote me on that, but I think she might have been from Liverpool. And she's got them on her face. Um, and that all got brought out in the media. It just created a bit more, not awareness, but I don't know, just kind of put it out there a little bit like, that it's um it's it it, it, it I've lost my train of thought somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I know what you mean. It's just like it's that piece around like you don't know what people are going through. Like people might have seen her and not knowing what she was like the condition she had and what she was going through. And then it's around that bit that we said around treating people like how you want to be treated. I guess it's all about yeah. stuff, isn't it? Like if people aren't aware that that's a, a genuine disease, then they might have been like right shitty towards her yeah you shouldn't judge a book by its cover same way you shouldn't treat someone different because they look different to you right and there's that level of ignorance and stuff there with people that are just like yeah and again i think it just depends on what kind of person you are but be kind to each other guys and i think that's all that matters is just show kindness don't get me wrong that there's there's actually i'm going to quote a comedian now Hmm. um a guy called Jim Jeffries, um, who not all of his stuff I agree with, but this this quote I do, and it's he says, "Think of someone that you hate, right?" And hate's a very strong word, of course. But he says, "Think of somebody you hate." Now, instead of showing hate to this person, just show them love, just show them love and kindness. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to stop hating you. They'll probably hate you more. However, everybody else will start to see them at the, them as the arsehole. If you're showing somebody nothing but love and kindness and they're showing you hate, even if you don't like them, they'll, everybody will start seeing them as the arsehole. Mm. Yeah, that's really, really true. It's, um, it's, it's not something like that's like 100% applicable to every situation, by all means. Um, however I think it's a, a sort of a general rule of thumb is just try and be kind to other people and there's obviously the people in this world that are going to be they're not going to like you for whatever reason but that's their issue not yours and so just be yourself and and that's that's all we can do be yourself and love yourself because you're the only person you've got. You're the only person you can rely on in this world because you're the only person that's always going to be there. So be kind to yourself, love yourself. That's a big message, man. Definitely. So back to your, your kind of art, um, what what influences do you have in either in art or like bands or brands or all that kind of stuff? Um, I think I think the majority of my influence comes from really like old school traditional work um i do i don't really take too much uh inspiration from brands and things like that there's a lot of good brands out there that reference tattoo work 
Um, and fair play to them because the majority of them, yeah, it might be a bit recycled, but if you think that in the sense that people are still doing Sailor Jerry Swallows, people are still doing Sailor Jerry Roses and putting their own spin on things, that's still getting tattooed every day all over the world because yeah. it's iconic. So it does get referenced a lot. And there are there is quite a lot of recycled imagery, I think. And people, I think people get a little bit scared to kind of step out of the box sometimes and, and put their own little twist or little spin on it. But there's a lot of good brands out there that reference tattoo work and, and more power to them, um, if it, especially if it's something that makes them happy because that's all that matters. Um, there's a couple of things that I've done recently that uh, have been in, influenced and I've been inspired by, by a band that I really like called Idols. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah, you recommended them to me a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? And I listened to some of their new album. <laughs> right, okay. I, I, do you know what? I, I, as I said that, I was like, I'm sure I, I did, I'm sure I messaged him about it. And I think I've done that with about six or seven people that I think to think like you'd really like them if you listen to them. Um, but yeah, so I kind of lose who I've who I've uh, who I've recommended them to. Um, but a, a lot of they address a lot of um, a lot of issues, relevant issues, and things like that. Uh, toxic masculinity, men's mental health, the state of this country. Um, they're a really good band in my eyes. They're on Spotify and Apple Music and all that. So if anybody's listening and they want to give them a whirl, by all means, um, it, they're they're good storytellers and they're they're good commentators on relevant issues. So uh, if you're into any of that, go check them out. Um, so my, a little bit of my work has been inspired by them. Um, th- they they release albums, and this is this is probably totally relative to me, but they, they release albums around the sort of times that I really am going through some shit. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think everybody's kind of got that that one song or an album or something that they'll relate back to be like, that got me through a hard time. Um, and their last album before the one they've just released, the one they've just released is called Crawler. And the one before was called Ultra Mono. And um, Ultra Mono came out um, around the time that uh, I was wrongfully arrested by the police um, for um crimes that I didn't commit. Um it's a closed case, I can talk about it and stuff and um but yeah they they come for I got set up they they come to my house um they treated me like a criminal straight off the bat. Uh there was a lot of um things that they did wrong that I had to put them right on. Mm. Um and it's no, it's no secret to anybody that, that follows the page or knows me personally that I haven't got a great relationship with the police. Not because I do anything wrong, by the way. This is not an incriminating admission of guilt. <laughs> um, that it's just, I think that, as a, especially as I've got older, I just see a lot wrong with that institution. And um, it's something that I feel quite strongly about. It's something that I'm quite passionate about. Um, you know, so the so I got I got arrested. They took me to a police station that was very far away from where I lived. I had no money in my pocket, so I could still name you every single thing item that I had on me, including the clothes I was wearing. Um, 
and I tw- did 23 hours in a cell thinking that my life was over and that I'd never see my son again and I was going to prison. Um, luckily, after 23 hours, I never even got an interview or anything um, because they'd investigated enough to know that all the allegations were false and that there was no charges filed and that I don't, I've still got a clean record, touch wood. Um, but yeah, that was a really hard experience. Um, and I, I came away from it with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, which I've since had therapy for. Um, I'm not going to say his name because I'm not entirely sure how the confidentiality agreement works with it, but I'm going to call him Mr. C. Um, he's going to be listening to this podcast when it goes out, my therapist. So um, big thank you to Mr. C. He's, he's, he does amazing work. Um, and he's helped me a lot, so I appreciate that. Um, and he helped me through that. But Idols released Ultra Mono, and when I came out, every single track, more or less, helped me through things as I was going through them. Do you forget what I mean? Yeah, it's really um, interesting the way music does that, like speaks to you, and you're like, oh, they wrote this, like it feels like for me or whatever. It's just, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I think it's awesome when you can relate to something. Because not everybody out there has got people that support them, um, and when you're in a tough time, I think that can be that can make that time harder. I think if you find something relatable with music or within literature or within creative outlets, it can really help people through hard times, especially if you don't have people around you to to be an emotional support. Um, so. I think that's a that's a big thing for anybody who are out there who's struggling and they don't necessarily feel like they have anybody. Like find solace in in, in other avenues, um, whether that be music or whatever. But there is there is something out there that will help you get through it. Um, healthy way of getting through it as well. I'm not promoting anything that's detrimental to your health. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, um, that music really got me through a tough time, coupled with therapy and the support of my partner. Um, she she was amazing through all of it, and she's been amazing ever since. She's she's a really she's a really decent person, and uh, got a lot of love for her. So love you, babe. Um, if you're listening, she has to listen to me all day, every day, mate. So I don't think <laughs> you're gonna want to listen to the podcast. Yeah. She has to. She listens to me talk bollocks enough, I think so. Um, but yeah, if you are listening, babe, I appreciate it so much. I love you. So thank you. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that kind of answers one of the uh, the questions I got on my Instagram as well. It was like, what gives you inspiration for a design? And I guess it is music, isn't it? Like, and uh, like you said, old school traditional work as well. Yeah, um, music, uh, old school traditional work. Um, my son. Um, you know, I see a lot of stuff that inspires me. It inspires it, it gives me a spark. A lot of the things that I see, especially on social media and stuff, it gives me a spark. Not to necessarily be like I see something and then I copy it and then it goes on to a painting. That's not what I do. Um, but I might see something, it will spark me to be like, right, come on, let's get this done. Give me a bit of motivation. And sometimes getting motivated is the hardest part of a creative process is getting that motivation to get up and do something. Um, 
so yeah um yeah it's my inspiration it does come from from it comes from loads of places i get inspired by you know people places pictures you know anything anything at all and yeah so i think you can you can find inspiration in wherever you look what's like so i thought you i honestly thought you'd say like tattoo or be a role model but what you what kind of what's the thing you're working towards what would you do if if you could do anything in life what would be your dream do you know what I, I genuinely don't know i genuinely think if i could just people say if you enjoy your job you'll never work a day in your life i think that's the expression yeah. and i can't think of anything that i would genuinely enjoy that much that i would be like i wouldn't wake up in the morning going oh fuck's sake gotta go to work do you know what i mean um I think as long as I earn enough money to pay the bills and provide a, a decent enough life for my son. Um, yeah, man, like, I think dream jobs type thing is just a little bit, it's, it, I think it's child's play. If I'm, if I'm brutally honest, like that's my opinion. If anybody, I don't want to offend anybody. And if anybody's listening that does have a dream job, good for you, man. Like keep working towards that goal. And that's a big inspiration, of course. Um, like keep reaching, keep moving, keep progressing. Um, but I think for me, it's, it's, I think I'm at that level where I'm just like, I'll just do anything as long as it puts food on the table. Um, when I do, when I eventually go back to work and ideal situation, yeah, I would love to be a tattoo artist, but can I see it happening in the next 10 years? Probably not. Um, but we'll see, man. Like I'd love to, I'd love to get a, an apprentice spot and, and start working towards that. But we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see. We'll see what's in the future. Mm, I, I agree with you about the like dream job thing. I've never known what I wanted to do in life. It's just, uh, it, it annoys me when people kind of ask you and then aren't, uh, don't realize that, that that is a thing that people aren't aware of. Like they have no idea what they want to do in life. They're just kind of happy providing for people and being happy. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're younger, you're like, ah, oh, you know, if you're musical, then you're like, oh, I'd love to be a rock star or, you know, uh, a professional skateboarder. You know, these are the backgrounds that I've had through through my my years and stuff. And But I think at the end, it is, a, I think it's like a childlike mentality of having that kind of level of dream job unless you're extremely talented and get discovered like those kind of things aren't going to happen and i'm sure they aren't without their downfalls for a job as well all jobs have their downfalls um but yeah i think that it's, it's quite damaging in society whereas at 16 i don't know if it's 16 when i left school it was 16 you leave school at and and they're like right what do you want to do with the rest of your life where, where do you want to work for the next 60 years and it's just mm. like yeah. How are you going to ask a sixteen-year-old that, mate? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, it's, um, <coughs> it's uh, I think it's a big, a bit of a, a big ask because I think that you could ask most forty-year-olds what they want to do, what they, what they want to do with their lives, and they probably still wouldn't know. Um, I said there's definitely a bit missed around helping people realize what they want to do, like even just the last year of school, because you don't. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff they teach you you don't need, but like something like that would have been so helpful. And I guess that's what job experience is supposed to be when you're at school, but it doesn't really help. Yeah, and 
one one of the funniest things I think is um, when your maths used to turn around to you when you're in school and be like, "You need to listen to this because you're never going to walk around with a calculator in your pocket." Uh, and now yeah. we all and now we all do. So it's uh, you know that's that's quite funny. I, I think that's quite a funny bit of nostalgia that's come full circle a little bit. Um, so we all have. We all have smartphones in our pockets with calculators and currency converters and all the rest of it. There's about there's probably nothing you can't get on your phone nowadays. I, I I do my social media and things like that, but I try not to have too much tech on my phone. Like I don't, it's not really something that I'm probably down with. Like it's it, it's uh, I try and do a lot of stuff old school. Like I I wrote a couple of notes on a on a pad for this for this podcast and when i went to write it last night I went buddy hell me and don't work and i think when was the last time you put pen to paper and and, and wrote anything down more than a shopping list you know yeah so, so I, I do it before i like to write a statement about something and i was like oh my god why am i writing in capitals because like every, everything you have to do is fill in forms which is like in capitals so i couldn't like cut like all of my writing has just gone it's just a shot like it's so bad it, 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 that's so funny you should mention that because I'm looking at my, my my notes in front of me in my book and everything is in block capitals. Everything, black ink, block capitals. That's all I write in now because although I can write, uh, Americans call cursive, you know, all you joined up writing because mm. they teach you in school. I can do that quite fluently, but a lot of people can't read it. So I just stopped doing it years ago. I just stopped doing it. And I just thought to make it more legible, I'll just do everything in block capitals. So whenever I have to write anything, it's, it's everything's in block capitals, which kind of makes my writing look quite angry. Um, like when someone sends you a text in all all caps. Yeah. You kind of get the impression that they're shouting at you. So, um, yeah, I, I write everything in, in capitals as well. I think it's more it's more legible. I think so. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, that you just kind of you get used to things like that. And the um the th- other thought I had was when you said about like the calculator in your pocket thing, and you've got the f- smartphones. Recently, started playing the game around like you know when you're watching something, you're like, oh my god, what what's their name? What other films have they been in? And you can easily pull your phone out and go and like IMDb and like find it instantly. But it's way more rewarding to not do that and to sit there thinking about it for hours. <laughs> yeah. I'm and not then, sure like, all, of a sudden, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, they were in this. And then, yeah, that's it's so good. Yeah. I'm not sure how old you are in, in relation to how old I am. Um, I think roughly but, the same, 33. Uh, you're 33, yeah? Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So we're roughly the same age. Um, unless you ask my missus and she says I'm 45, of course. But, <laughs> um, um, but yeah. Um, when... I can't remember what we were talking about. I've lost again what we were talking about. I was saying around like how rewarding it is not to search stuff and to figure it out. Oh yeah. So when we I was I've always looked a little bit older. So I, I was drinking in pubs when I was like 14, 15, something like that. Um and we used to have like be like, oh have you seen this? And this person's in it. That's not what they're from. No, no, no. It is. And then you'd have that discussion in a, in a, in that kind of environment with your mates or whatever and and now you just kind of whip out your phone and go, oh, it was them. All right, sound. And then that was it. I do it all the time now. I do. I, I miss the discussion. 
about yeah. you know but it's all manner of things it's not just like who's in a film or what they're from or what they've worked in but you can find anything out like people might tell you a bit of useless trivia or facts and be like that ain't true now 10 15 20 years ago you had no choice but to believe what they were saying do you know what i mean but now you can pull up your phone and just be like uh i think you're wrong mate but it it, it takes away from that discussion you can have with other people and i think that I think the majority of the time we're all very guilty of spending too much time on our phone. Mm, um, I definitely am, yeah. But there is something, and, like like you were saying, it is so rewarding having that discussion because it leads to so many other things because I want to be like, no, they're in this film. And you're like, no, because that film had these people and it was about this. And then it just like the conversation goes, whereas, yeah, if it's over in seconds, then that's, that's it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, again, a little bit of a comment on how society is at the moment. And I think that, we are a bit, I think a lot of people have lost touch with with what what reality actually is, you know, and, you know, or read a Don't spend too much time on your devices and living through a social media world because, again, in my opinion, it's very toxic. It can be a very toxic place, um, uh, especially with... Um, the mainstream media on how people are supposed to look and what you're supposed to dress like, how, what kind of job, car, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there's people out there that will be really affected by that. But you know what? If you deleted your socials and and just stepped outside or stayed off your phone for a week, two weeks, three weeks, you might start seeing things a little bit differently. And as I said, like literally love yourself. Like times it's really, to do with what happens in people's lives and, and and experiences and situations that they go through but seriously like it's a big lesson to learn and i hope people you know are able to learn it a lot quicker than i have is that find a degree of love for yourself because you know you're the only one that's there at the beginning and the end do you know what i mean like you're the only person that's always going to be there so love yourself, try and love yourself, tell yourself that uh, one good thing about yourself every day. I know it sounds corny, it should be on a poster or something. And But seriously, like, don't believe everything you see on TV and radio. Uh, not radio, God, that's analogue, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, don't believe everything you hear on the radio, the scaremongering us. No, um, but yeah, seriously, like, don't... Um, don't buy into all this all this crap that they tell you what you should look like, what you should act like, and all the rest of it. It's damaging. Be you, be the person you are, and be the best person you can be. And that's that's all that you should want from life. Absolutely like a hundred percent. Definitely. One thing that I've started doing recently is um like I don't know, I'll get stressed at work for some reason. And obviously I work in a job that lines somebody else's pocket. And um you're getting stressed and then you're like, why am I getting so stressed about this? I'm doing a really good job. And then you start like thinking about all the things you're like, you're thankful for. And like, I think people have done it where it's like a gratitude diary or whatever, where you like, do you know what? I'm happy. I've woke up today. Like I have a, a house, like a job, food and pretty, like I'm doing okay. So I don't know why I'm getting so stressed. And that's something that's like helping me a lot lately with that kind of level of shit that's going on, I guess. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because, you know, you're not just your job. You're not just how much money you make. You're not what you, car you drive. You are 
more than that. And sometimes people don't tend to realise it. Um, but, you know, try and find some happiness in what you have got, not what you could have. These things are material and they're interchangeable. You know, it's disposable culture. And, yeah, you might get that car, but you'll only have it for three years and then you'll need another car that you want because somebody's told you or you've seen an advert or whatever that you need a new car you know your car is no good anymore it's such a it's such a toxic way of of living your life man like i don't really want to sound too like hippie or anything because that's not who i am in the slightest um and i can be a miserable bugger at times but seriously like these things i've, I've realized in the last few years with things that i've been through and um yeah just be you. Do what makes you happy. Don't let anybody tell you that you have to be a certain way or you have to own certain things. Like, Just be you. Just do you. What makes you happy? Don't let anybody try to take that away from you because they don't matter. Yeah, it's, it's quite easy to fall into that trap, and I know I have, but um, so you start, like, I, I guess, doing the thing that everybody else, you're, like, worry about money and stuff, and then you're looking at it and you're like, I'm paying a ridiculous amount of money for a phone that doesn't do anything more than it did last year so so i've kind of scrapped that off i don't really do like a really expensive contract i think i do like 20 pound a month for what i've got which is fine and then did the same thing with my car like i had a flat not like super flashy but like a car on finance got rid of that and then straight away you're like actually i do have enough money to survive like i am happy i was just paying for this shit that i don't need like it's so rewarding when you realize that you've um you've been duped and like you don't need all these flashy new things and you can survive with what you have oh yeah absolutely and you know it, it's i think it's all relative to every each individual i mean if you if what you love is is working on a car or make making a car to a certain spec and things like that then yeah go for it like because that's what you're passionate about it brings you joy but don't just get a, a flash car because you think you've got an image to uphold. Like, fuck all that negative shit, man. Like, just, as I said, do what makes you happy. As long as you're not hurting anybody else in the process, do what makes you happy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you say you had some questions? Because I'm kind of all out of, uh, of everything. Somebody asked what uh, what got you into painting, inspiration, and creative goals. I think we've, we've touched upon that already. Yeah. Um, and explain your style of art and why you do it and things like that. So, I, it, they're all the questions that are pretty much um, what we've what we've covered along already. Um, there is a couple of things that I wanted to touch on while while I'm here and and, and use this platform as as best as I can. Yeah, go for it. Um, so one of the things is, um, I suffered with, uh, alcoholism for a number of years. Um, and I'm currently two years, two and a half years sober, which is the longest I've ever been sober for since I stopped drinking, since I started drinking, um, which is a, a massive achievement for me. Um, and again, going back to, which is why I kind of took a step back after I, I was saying, giving an answer earlier in, in the sense that, you know, if, yeah, find something that, you know, is a coping mechanism and things like that. But 
do it in a healthy way. Like the the drug abuse and the, the alcohol abuse and stuff like don't don't do that. Like it's um it's a very slippery slope and um it all ties in with mental health. You know, misery loves company and, and alcohol alcohol and substance abuse, they definitely go hand in hand with yeah with mental health deficiencies. Um and you know as I said, men's mental health is something that is still a little bit of a taboo subject among certain circles um, within society. And I think that, that all too many men will end up in the pub um, drinking their life away. I think it's more prominent with men to, to do that kind of thing. Um, I've had friends die very young from alcohol, um, alcohol abuse and drug abuse. Um and that's something that I'm very passionate about. That that's something that, um, since I've been in recovery, like I'm not one of them people that quit smoking and then go, ah, you should you shouldn't be doing that. You should be smoking. Bad for you. You know, I'm not one of them people. Um, but with alcoholism, like there are people that can go out and enjoy a drink and have that social lubricant to, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And and hats off to you. Unfortunately, I'm not one of those people. Um, so yeah, definitely. If, if there is anybody listening that's struggling with alcohol or substance abuse, there are plenty of, um, plenty of help services and things like that out there. So just drop it on Google, depending on what part you are in the world and things like that. But there's AI here in, in, in the UK and things like that. And they do really good work. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's one of them. No, I think, like you said, it, it the start of it is just trying to talk about it, isn't it? With the uh, with substance abuse or with mental health, it starts by just sort of chatting to someone. That's kind of the bare minimum, I think, to help. Yeah, absolutely. And don't get me wrong, stopping drinking was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, and for anybody that's done it, or has come off using drugs or anything like that, the physical effects that it takes on you, yeah, they are awful. And, you know, coming off it is, and detoxing is is a horrendous experience. Um, but if you can get past that first bit, like you, you're already halfway there, man. Like I did it with pretty much zero help other than sheer willpower and love for my son. I stopped drinking when he was just after I got, yeah, more or less just after I got sick. So like, yeah, like he was like six or seven months old. Um, so yeah, like absolutely. Like it, it's, it's something that's massively had an effect on my life through the years. I've, I've lost people that I love and cared about. And, um, and I've burnt bridges that will never be rebuilt because of alcohol and, um, yeah, I think that, again, looping back on the mental health thing, um, like, it didn't, not all of us find it easy to talk to somebody about these things or talk to people in general, and I, I, I 100% get that, and I, I empathise with it, I really do. Um, but just hope for better for yourself, I think, is the only way I can kind of and that is just hope for better for yourself. That's not all you are, you know. 
you can cope without it. Like it might not feel like it and it's really difficult and it is a hard thing to do, but nothing worth having comes easy. Um, so you're not alone. And if anybody wants to reach to me uh, that are going through something similar with alcohol or drug abuse or anything like that, um, my, my messages are always open and I know that I have my own life and things like that. And I'm busy with my children, my child. And, but if anybody does want to chat or whatever, like my messages are always open. I'll, I'll, I'll be there for anybody that wants to get help. I can put you in the right direction and yeah, nothing but love and positivity to, to anybody that's, that's going through that. I mean, I can't really speak or help, but I think, like I've said, even just chatting is even like what you've done is, is probably going to help some people um, just hearing it. Just. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't claim to, you know, I, I don't claim to be some kind of like, I'm not a narcissist in the sense that I can fix people. I can make everything better. And like, it, it probably, you know, it probably won't come to anything, but you know, if I can use this as a way of helping one person out there, and I know it sounds cliche and stuff, but if, if it helps one person, then that's a win, man. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you could have just saved someone's life. And it, life without alcohol for me, and you know, the other people that I know that are in recovery from alcohol addiction, um, life's better. Like, like life is better without without having that on your shoulders. Like, so yeah, remove all that toxic shit, man. No. Do things that make you happy and that hasn't got to be one of them, you know. I'm just looking at my notes. Um, I think I've covered everything more or less. Um, again, I'll just touch upon the thing that I said earlier about the, the institution. Any advice I can give to anybody out there is know the law, right? Do your research and know the law because when it comes down to it, they don't care who you are, what you may or may not have done. Or, you know, what colour your skin is or what religion you follow. They don't care. They will treat you like a criminal. So it's good to know your rights and good to know the law. That's a good thing. That's a, the best advice I can give you. Um, and, and just be mindful, man. Just just don't take everything on face value. Don't Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you read. And, you know... There's there's good and bad people out there as we touched upon earlier, and just by putting just by a bad person putting a uniform on doesn't make them a good person. They'll still be a bad person. They'll just have a different set of clothes and a bit more authority. So yeah, they'll just, definitely abuse the power, and they so. Oh yeah, definitely, and and the you know knowledge is power. Absolutely, knowledge is power. So the more you know about any subject. Um, you have a better way of dealing with it. So people out there that, that, that are worried about that kind of thing, um, by all means, like there's, there's plenty of, everything's available online. Um, laws, the law with police and laws the police enforce and things like that. So make sure you know what to expect if you're ever in a situation like that, especially if you're innocent, especially if you haven't done anything wrong or they're trying to coerce you into doing something that they can arrest you for. So just know your rights um, and know the law. That's the biggest thing I think I can I can say about that. I'll, I won't go too much more into it because I think we're running on time. Um, but yeah. That's probably uh, 
a good message to end on, I guess. Um, thank you, like I said, for coming on. It's uh, and volunteering your time. It's been really nice chatting to you and kind of hearing your story, your life, and and your views on things. It's, it's always really something that interests me, like chatting to people and listening. Yeah, it's good. But thank you very much for having me on. It's it's always good to chat to to decent people, um, to like minded people. Uh, and I think that's something that we, I think we all need to, I think we should all take away and, and, and kind of analyse, you know, have good people, surround yourself with good people. Um, and talking of which, I've just got a couple of people to thank, if that's all right with you. Yeah, go for it. Um, so, obviously, big love to my to my girl, Shah. Um, I couldn't have got through this last 12 months without you. And I really appreciate you. Um, my son, Caleb, if you're ever listening to this as you get older, son, uh, your dad loves you. Um, my therapist that we called Mr. C, uh, he's really got through. He's really got me through these last twelve months as well. Um, my mom for always supporting me in my art, and, and without without her, I probably wouldn't have got to the stage where I've even I'm doing a podcast right now. Um, a big love to anybody that's bought anything or supported or shared my work or anything like that. Like it means the absolute world to me. It really does. And, you know, it might not be much money. It makes a big difference to me and my little family. And I, I massively, you know, I massively appreciate that. And it means the world. Um, just a couple of mentions. And cry, the guy, Crime One, like, big love to Crime One. He does amazing work. Go check out his stuff. Same as uh, Natalie Abbott Design. Um, she does really good stuff as well. Go check her out. Um, Janet, you're so cool. Duck Lungi and Amy at Hayward Prince. Like all of those people have helped me massively and they really do good work. So go check them out. And of course, big love to Doom and Gloom Apparel for putting this on and having me here and putting out the work that they do. So appreciate that, man. No worries. Thank you for, yeah, like I said, coming on. Um... Thanks, man. Look forward to hearing it. Big love. <laughs> Keep safe. Cheers. Hello. Ciao.